and that's still fighting like Paul is though. So we think. So (laughs) we think. Did he pass those genes on? (laughs) Would it surprise you? Again, and also you got to remember the thing about Paul. Paul was a black man that played for the Boston Celtics. He had to fight. Yeah, he had to. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. Not to have you talked enough about James Wiseman yet. Do you want to continue to talk about the Memphis big man or do you want to finally move on this episode? Because we've been talking about it a lot, given all the rumors that have come about this week. So here's the thing. I am okay with talking James Wiseman. Do you want to know what I really want to talk about is how sneakers robbed me of my off-white fives this morning. I took an L on sneakers and I'm not very happy about it, Walker. So you know what? We can talk about that instead because you know what? They're equally two L's and I'm I'm only okay with accepting <laughs> one of them right now. So it's just a bad week overall for you. Yes, taking it the is. L on the sneakers app as well as taking the L on who the Hornets might select and not only who they might select, but who they might trade up for um, in the NBA draft. Today's episode, by the way, is brought to you by rockauto.com. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com or part of the locked on podcast network. It's your team. Every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. We've been getting more and more tweets from you, so we appreciate that. Going to try to get to some of those questions on Twitter later on in the show. Rick Bennell going on FNZ and discussing what his sources are telling him about LaMelo ball. We've talked about James Wiseman, how Anthony Edwards is their plan B. What about LaMelo ball? What are Rick Bennell sources telling him on LaMelo? We'll get to that in the second segment. And uh, first I want to lead off with this, not a, um, no James Wiseman. So I'm not going to make you relive that L once again, please. But I was listening to the low post podcast. We referenced mm-hmm. it quite a bit. And it was the podcast that he released with Bobby Marks, who joined him. And they were talking about the Charlotte Hornets, and it was very brief. But Zach Lowe mentioned how each of these franchises, and really each of these middling franchises or a team that was looking to get to the postseason, basically it was teams with cap space, to put it simply. Mentioning what he thought each of these teams with cap space would do with the space that they had. And he was going down the list, and he mentioned how he thought the Charlotte Hornets, he thought the Hornets were going to use their cap space to try to win rather than to collect big contracts and take on assets in return in order to carry the burden of carrying some bad money um, on their payroll. And, you know, there's just been nothing to indicate that the Charlotte Hornets are going to do that based on the comments of Mitch Kupchak. Here's the thing as to why I might give Zach Glow the benefit of the doubt on that as far as Mm -hmm. him being right is The Terry Rozier signing last year, I guess you could argue a little bit was them trying to win now, giving a bad contract, 18 Mm -hmm. million a year. Hornets got destroyed for that. And I never thought that they should have gotten destroyed to the level they did. I think that you're getting somewhat close to the level of that contract in which, you know, they paid him. I'm not saying that Terry Rozier is his fantastic player. I think he's bad defensively. 
You know, we, we've exploited a good skill set from him, the catch and shoot skill that he possessed at shooting 40% and, and, and better at catching and shooting, right? I think we, we got something from him. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the only evidence that you really have of this regime with the Charlotte Hornets looking to spend their cap space to try to win and go and go wholeheartedly at that eight spot or trying to get in the postseason. But we, we've, we've seen Zach Lowe do this before with the Hornets. Like it's someone that just doesn't trust the Hornets franchise. I feel like because of the previous regime that was there, but not, I don't get that sense with Mitch Kupchak. What do you make of the comments from Zach? Look, I, I personally don't understand why anyone thinks that this is going to be a go for it year, especially with seven guys that could all be potentially the number one pick. I don't see them trying to win. I just see them trying to be functional team because it doesn't help you to, again, if this was the year, I don't think it helps you to tank because as we've seen, you just basically get relegated to the five spot in, in the draft. I don't think it helps you to, but also at the same time, the Hornets aren't going to probably have any of that gate money. They didn't rely on gate money last year. They didn't lose that much. And there were, there are numbers for this in the athletic that show that, that that basically this is not necessarily one of the biggest concerns. So you don't have to worry about gate money. You don't have to worry about a couple other things. This is another year where I don't think they're pressed to win. I think if they're pressed to win or pressed to bring people in the stands to pay attention, it's not this upcoming season that you're not really making any money. It's next season. That's the big one. I think that I think when people start thinking about it, I think it's about getting the decks ready for 2022-2023. I'm sorry, 2021-2022. Because otherwise, none of this makes sense to try to win now, especially when no one's really going to be required to pay attention this year. Yeah, and and maybe you are right with the Freudian slip that you had with going an extra year. You know, I mean, I I don't think that this is a team that looks at it as a win-now situation. I mean, look, Zach Lowe can think that, right? Like, it, you know, he's... (laughs) 10 times more tapped into the league than I am or a lot of people, anybody listening to this podcast. It's just, there's nothing to indicate that's the case from anything that Mitch Kupchak has said. Mitch Kupchak has been adamant about them not wanting to go after a Brandon Ingram type or a Montrez Harrell type. I mean, he, he's kind of, I don't, he hasn't named those players specifically, but he's named that type of player, not looking to go after a player to get them closer to the eight seed when they're not really ready to contend in the postseason or at least get past the damn first round because mm-hmm. that's the next step that this Hornets team needs to take. It, they, they need to get to the postseason first because this is a, a new era of bad Hornets basketball, if you will. But then there needs to be what looks to be the right stepping stones in place for them to finally get to the second round because it's never happened in this specific franchise's history. And they've never obviously gotten to the conference finals, the closest being that oh one trip that they had to uh, the second round when they went the distance with the Milwaukee Bucks. And so that that's the thing we need to see. And spending their money to win right now. I just, I just don't think that that's something that Kupchak is going to do. Even with us chastising the Hornets, if they are indeed going to trade up to the first overall pick by getting rid of assets, I would hate it. You would hate it. We've talked about taking the L on that, as you just mentioned, right? But even with all of that, I do think the overall plan for the most part, as far as not chasing mediocrity, I do think that 
the plan in large is pretty good, not chasing mediocrity, trying to get these stars and build upon these assets. Now, you know, giving up a first round pick to move up two spots. Yeah, that would certainly be something that is a problem um, and and certainly something that would go against that way of thinking. But overall, I, I do think that they are on the right track as far as trying to make sure that they're ready for the future and not trying to win right now by spending all this cap space that they finally get after a couple of uh, contracts go off of the payroll. Look, again, I, I just don't understand the idea that they need to win now. And this, this is the thing that I keep just thinking about. If there's anyone in the building that feels like they need to win this year, then no one's learned anything about Kemba Walker and why he left. And I think, that's what's the most damning part of this. If you go out and you do this and you say, we've got to turn this around, we have to win 30 plus games. You haven't learned anything. You're not building any attachment because all you're doing is you're trying to create shrimp and grits with popcorn. And I know you saw that video. So you're trying to do. I didn't see that video. What video are you talking about? There's a video of, there's a taste made video of someone trying to make shrimp and grits with ground up popcorn. I kid you not. (laughs) I kid you not. Was, was it Doug that put that video out? Of course he again. He had probably had something to do with it. We can blame him for that later. But I, but I say but, we do that. Yeah yeah yeah. Let's say we do that. But back to my point. Like you're trying to create shrimp and grits with ground up popcorn. Like you can't necessarily. Like that's one thing that just it doesn't make sense. Stay mm-hmm. the stay the course. Nick Batum comes off. Cody Zeller maybe may or may not stay. We don't know. And depending on just how happy with the center rotation Brego is, that may be a question that we answer sooner than later. But a lot of this doesn't make sense for what they're trying to do. And winning now especially does not make sense. Being competitive does. Creating a culture where you're consistently competitive, that matters. But when we start talking about winning now and going to the playoffs, that doesn't matter right now. That really, really does not matter. Um, real quickly, before we go to the second segment, did get a tweet in from Jordan McGinnis. I know Jordan. Jordan went, I played on the same basketball team as him. Oh, no. uh, as long as Jordan doesn't exploit me for some of the problems that I had maybe in, on the high school team, um, <laughs> then we will continue to read his tweets. Uh, but Jordan tweeted in with the cap being in question for the next couple of years is a Cody Zeller expiring contract just as valuable as a lightly or even unprotected first round pick. Big fan of the pod, been listening for years. Jordan, appreciate it, man. Yeah, I know Jordan well, so appreciate the appreciate the support from back home, Catawba County represent. Now, what do you make of that text uh, or that tweet from Jordan? Cody Zeller expiring contract, expiring contract, just as valuable as a lightly or even unprotected first. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. I, I, again, the thing that I keep trying to say is that expiring contracts are going to be worth a lot, and it's why I kind of it doesn't make sense for them to use the Cody Zeller trade to move up, especially when teams are going to need to park bad contracts somewhere. And as far as the Hornets are concerned, they have one of the cleanest cap sheets going forward. So adding bad money and taking on additional first round picks and getting additional cracks at the apple, again, cracks at the apple and possibly developing a team where it's similar to OKC, where you have two, three, four stars, then, hey, I think that's the way to go. It makes a lot of sense so that you can get as many of these picks as possible right now. All right. I th- I'll tell you another thing that's really valuable. It's rockauto.com. Rockauto.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. And you can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specific specifications and prices that you prefer and best of all the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers so why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you an amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com what are scouts saying about Lamelo ball we talk about that next on the lockdown hornets podcast this is Locked on Hornets. You give me a new adjective. God, you're just messing this up. I, I, you know, I just I spend some time away from the show, and you're still the same old walker. All right, yeah, give me a new adjective and give me a plural noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about, uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the noun I was going to get. A plural noun. This isn't hard. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Not with your food analogy in the first segment. I got to tell you, I've got grits. I can go get some shrimp at Target or at Harris Theater in just a little bit. And I'm thinking about cooking some shrimp and grits tonight, man. Yes, I mean, you should. You it's should. It's a fantastic dish. Can you cook some shrimp and grits or would I be? Can I cook some contest? shrimp and grits? Again, <laughs> I would lose my black card if I couldn't. <laughs> Kidding um, me? Now, I know. Did you revoke mine? Where, where did we get with my black card when we talked about this? You have a hall pass. You don't have a card. You have a, a hall pass. Okay. Hall passes can be torn up at any little <laughs> egregious light that I deem fit. That's the way these things work. Sorry. Um, um, so you're, but, but at least I, I get a little bit like, can I at least get it laminated? Is that if I cook shrimp and grits tonight? Yeah. Well, again, maybe, maybe, okay. maybe. I'm not sure. I'm yet. just, I'm just trying to figure out the rules. I'm just trying to figure out the rules uh, and, and to see how I can hold on to this hall pass just a little bit longer. Let's talk about some of the things that I guess scouts are saying about LaMelo ball. This comes from Rick Bennell continuing to go to the well of information that is Rick Bennell. Uh, maybe that can be a segment, the Rick Bowell, if we will, to go to the yeah, I, I think We're going to have to do that. I may come up with some. Yeah, is, is that, that, that sounds like a segment on the horizon. But he joined FNZ yesterday, Wilson and Parcel, and he talked about this. When asked about LaMelo Ball, because James Wiseman being the guy that the Hornets are reportedly interested in, and then Anthony Edwards being the backup plan, they asked about LaMelo. And Rick said this. Here's what I'm hearing about the league at large. LaMelo Ball is not performing very well at job interviews. I've heard that from multiple sources. He is not improving his perception at job interview. There are people drafting later in the top 10 who were not preparing for the possibility of Ball still being around. And I'm not saying that he will be a top three pick. I am saying that I know for a fact that there are teams later in the top 10 who are doing more research on him because they no longer think it's a given he will. So, I mean, Nada, what do you think about LaMelo Ball and the draft perception of him? Do you think this is a guy that actually does fall out of, let's say, one, the top three, and how far are we willing to go? Does he fall out of the top three, top five? Is there a potential that he is selected in the back half of the top ten? What do you make of the comments from Rick? I There's a part of me that thinks there's, there's two things. One, there's a part of me that really believes that this is – a way for him to get to New York or get low enough to where New York can trade up reasonably for him without giving up a guy like Mitchell Robinson. There's a part of me that really thinks that this is intentional by, by um, LaMelo. 
Oh, wait, are you, are you going full on NBA draft conspiracy theorist right now? I I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, again, you don't have to play the X-Files music. I'm close though. <laughs> I, I, I am close. The only You're reason LaMelo is trying to self-sabotage so he can land a spot with the New York Knicks. Is that what you're, is that what you're hinting at? Yes, because you know what? Again, unlike most times, he's actually choosing the Knicks. There are not many players that actually do that. So yeah. I, there, I, I, there's a lot of this that doesn't make sense. I, you, <laughs> Everyone knows my feelings on this. Like, um, I think he's the most talented guy in this, on, on, in this draft, bar none. But if, again, he's going to be a space case, then, yo, I kind of understand at this point. And I would go Killian Hayes at that and then go Killian Hayes. Yeah. If he's not performing well in the interviews, I don't know how much I hold that against him. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what he's doing in these interviews to make teams shy away from him, whether he just, I don't know, isn't telling them what they want to hear or if he's acting arrogant. I don't know what's going on in these interviews, but I do know that this is a guy that is crazy talented and I hate, I just don't want to hold his dad's reputation against him because I don't think that's affected Lonzo. It seems like he's his own guy. And when LaMelo was questioned about that, at least from some of the things that we heard previously, it seems a little, you know, build himself as his own as mm-hmm. LaMelo ball and not anything to do with a LaVar ball. And, and I, so I don't know what's going on with these job interviews. I don't know if I would have that affect my decision on whether to draft him or not, but if these workouts aren't going well, that's different. Like I could see, LaMelo ball because of his broken shot. I could see them working him out and having a bad day shooting the basketball and that truly affecting whether, uh, whether teams draft him because I, I know we talked about LaMelo saying he's not really looking to change his shot. I also mm-hmm. don't think that he was real adamant about saying, Nope, I'm not changing it. Like, I don't think he was forceful saying I'm not going to change it. It just seemed like a guy. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. It didn't seem like he would be, um, completely, um, you know, somebody that would fight against a coach that might want to change his form. So I don't know what to make of all of this. Nada. I think a lot of this is us having a ton of time before the NBA draft, a lot more Way time. Way too much usual. time. <laughs> and, and I don't want to overthink it, but I, I still have question marks about all of these guys. And it is funny to me how it seems like James Wiseman is becoming more of the sure thing than the other prospects that he's compared to. when I don't think that's something you would have said about him um, maybe a couple of months ago. You know, we, we heard that from, I forget, you know, who had that tweet out there from one of the, uh, I don't know, from a front office member in the NBA. But I, I think if you were to put all three of these guys, LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman in a group and say, you know, who is the most ready or who is the most sure thing. I don't know if we would have gone with the guy that played three collegiate games. And now it seems like maybe you would take James Wiseman more as the sure thing over an Anthony Edwards and Lamella. It's funny because I started thinking about, okay, what ha- again, if the, at, let's say he doesn't defend as well, but he can still score. Like what's the most baseline of what, you know, works for him. And when it comes to Lamello, even if you do the baseline test of, okay, he can't shoot. Okay. He's a, he's going to be probably a little bit better. He might be an average defender. He's going to be an above average rebounder for his position. He's going to be an elite passer. What does that get you? That gets you a lot. Now, granted that may, that, that gets you a lot may end up being Kyle Anderson, but in this draft, Kyle Anderson might be a solid pick. 
like that's the thing like we're talking about what's the baseline and if we're going to start talking about what the baseline is if what if one thing or two things don't translate well like i still feel good about lamello over everybody else it's just if mentally he's not going to be checked in to a place like charlotte then you absolutely have to worry and that's where you know what a job interview like that mentally if he's checked out it ain't gonna work for anybody well, and to that point, so you gave the case for LaMelo where you just settle for something that is pretty decent in this specific NBA draft class. I mean, what if Wiseman, we talked about this a little bit. What if if Wiseman's floor or what if Wiseman just gets to something close to what Miles Turner is, where I think if you're picking in the top three, you would want something better than Miles Turner, even though, you know, he is one of the better defenders in the NBA and, you know, he can shoot the third ball. There are things to like, but I think that's just the point. If let's say that you even get something close to Miles Turner, do you just take that automatically in the NBA draft? Or if you get a, uh, worst defending Tyson Chandler, but with a little offensive touch. Like, do you just take that all automatically in the top three of the NBA draft? Like, that's something that's interesting. It, it, it's just you you pose an interesting question for all of these prospects. If if they can get you just any kind of decent rotation player where they can start, but man, you're just so scared about betting on their star ability that you just go ahead and take the floor. Um, then maybe that's a bet you make because this draft class is so scary. So yeah, we'll be interesting to see. All right, man, let's talk about uh, Steven Silas having uh, a new job as a head coach with the Houston Rockets, a longtime Charlotte Hornets assistant coach um, here in uh, with the new franchise that came here in Charlotte. We'll talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in summer league comma a euro step into a windmill during a game end of comma could put him on the radar of a radar radar. all nba yeah on the radar on the radar of (laughs) all nba fans as a nightly highlight producer yeah charlotte you're charlotte coming out there yeah i'm from come from uh catawba county on the radar it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast just mentioned it there, Stephen Silas. Congratulations to him after the Houston Rockets named the uh, Dallas Mavericks assistant coach, but again, formerly the Charlotte Hornets assistant coach. Houston names him the uh, head coach, agreeing to a deal with Paul Silas's son. You know, Nada, this is someone that I think was extremely respected during mm-hmm. his time here in Charlotte. I think it's someone that was respected all across the league. Um, you look at what he did with this team. When Steve Clifford had those scary health problems, remember Steve Clifford wasn't sleeping very well and was overworking himself, had to take some time off. Steven Silas stepped in as not even an interim coach. It was a weird scenario where he's not credited with those wins. They were still going to Steve Clifford, but Silas was serving as the head coach out there on the floor. And I believe that was the time where Dwight Howard being on this team and that Hornets roster got the win against a Golden State team that still had you know some uh, star players playing for them at that time. So um, some good work here from Steven Silas, extremely well respected, and I think really respected by the players. Just seems like it would be a good fit with Harden and and Russell Westbrook. And the Rockets decide to go with Silas instead of Jeff Van Gundy. What did you make the, of the move to see a, a, a former Charlotte Hornets assistant coach be named a head coach in the NBA? Quite honestly, I'm I was surprised. I didn't think Stephen Silas was going to get a job in this cycle, and I was proven quite wrong. 
Stephen Silas has earned this position. Think about how good you have to be at your job to where you survive not one, not two, but three different regimes in the Charlotte franchise. Because remember, he, he worked for his father. He survived the one year of Mike Dunlap, and then he works with Steve Clifford <laughs> and then goes to coach with Rick Carlisle. Like, this dude yeah. has a resume. He's ha- I am right. happy for him. I am glad that the the Rockets went with, went somewhere where I didn't think they were going to go. It also makes me worried about what they're going to do going forward because I'm not sure that team as presently constituted is staying that way. So there's a lot of this that, that, that makes me concerned, but I'm so happy for him. I am ready to see what he does and ready to see what he basically has when he has the con per, per se. Yeah. What I'm scared of is whether this is a little bit of the Philly situation where we talked about the 76ers being fool's gold. I wonder if you have some of that with the Rockets where you take this job and you take this 10 times out of 10. Of course, you're not looking for a better one. You get a job as soon as it opens up, especially if you're Silas, who hasn't had a head coaching job before. But my point being is the fact that if this is fool's gold, it doesn't go well because it's hard to win even with that roster in the Western conference. And Russell Westbrook starts to show some decline, even more so battling father time. James Mm -hmm. Harden maybe even has some father time settle in, Uh, you know, trying to institute a different offense than what Mike D'Antoni had. I hope that he has the respect enough with James Harden, but let's say it all goes awry. The Rockets decide that they want to move on from Harden and or Russell Westbrook go through some, crazy roster changes. And then eventually you come in with the expectations, unfair expectations. Steven Silas doesn't live up to him. And then he gets fired in a couple of years because they don't have a whole lot of talent on that roster by selling everybody. That's what I'm scared of. And then what that would mean is here comes another black coach with expectations with a roster. Mm -hmm. And then all of these pieces that are talented go away. Steven Silas gets fired and he doesn't get another shot. And then here's another black coach that doesn't get recycled just like white coaches do normally. And that's what I'm scared of. Look, I understand that we're already jumping the gun. The guy was hired yesterday and I'm already what is a legitimate concern. A, ch- a chance, but you're right. Like that. Look, doc rivers is, is enough established where he's going to get a job. Okay. Fair enough. One of the few black coaches that is established enough where he is going to get recycled, which awesome, by the way, Steven Silas isn't, and I I just hope that isn't the case with him. I I hope that he can have success and stave it off because you you have to perform better as a black coach than you do a white coach to hold on to your job long term. And I just hope that he doesn't lose it before he really gets the ball rolling as a successful head coach in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. And I just there's a lot of this, like you said, like we always said, it's just that that Houston roster is a fool's gold trap. And especially with no first rounders, that's the thing that I think worries me the most is yeah, what's right. the talent, what's the talent situation going to be there? Because as again, Rick pointed out on Twitter, I want to say yesterday, Steven Sil- Silas was like crucial for Jeremy Lamb's career and helped develop him along the way. So if we're going to like we the one thing we know that Steven Silas can do is develop guards. The guard he gets to develop, I'm not sure it's going to be hardened. 
I think it's going to be someone younger. And you know what? That's okay. I can't wait to see what he does with it, though, and see how he adapts and what he's learned from everybody. So, again, I can't, I just can't wait. I'm excited for him. Yeah, yeah, I, I am too. I, I, I hate to be like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm happy for – the guy got hired yesterday, or yesterday. So, you know, I'm thrilled for him. I, I, I am happy too. Uh, it's just something you worry about, but I, I am mm-hmm. pulling for Steven Silas. The guy deserves it. And it was really cool to see Hornets Twitter all get behind him and recognize how good he was here. And as, as an assistant coach, didn't see a bad word about Steven Silas anywhere in my timeline, but all Hornets Twitter came together and was praising all of his efforts for the way that he performed here with the Hornets. And uh, certainly again, deserving of that job that wraps up this edition of locked on Hornets. Thanks again to RockAuto.com for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of locked on NBA. Have a great day. We will be back with you tomorrow.